This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. Game day, Jim. Winnipeg Jets wrapping up their road trip, uh, taking on the New York Islanders on Long Island tonight. Game day! Uh, Before heading back to Winnipeg, Colorado on Friday at Canada Life Center. Pre-game gets going at 4 o'clock. Puck drop at 6 right here on 680 CJOB. Um, (laughs) I I always find it fascinating when you don't see the New York Islanders all year and and then you play them twice in less than a week. That is bizarre. New yeah. York Islanders, so they're going to be in town next Sunday, I believe, yes. for an afternoon tilt. You're Oh, you're bang on. New York Islanders used to be a massive draw. Like the iconic Islanders jersey. When I grew up in elementary school, which yeah. would have been in the 80s, mm-hmm. I had a buddy who had an Islanders, Mike Bossy. Like the whole Jersey Islanders jersey used to be an iconic one. And I'm not saying it's still not, but that's rare. You know, when they win four cups in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, the next 10 years, that, that jersey was everywhere. Yeah. And now, and I'm, I'm saying that because I remember when, remember uh, John Tavares was in town with them and yep. there was that kid who got yelled at or, or whatever because he had an Islanders jersey on at the Jets game. So Tavares next time gave him a jersey and made him feel okay. I remember that, yeah. Well, people shouldn't do that. And people Yeah, don't <laughs> yell at kids wearing opposite jerseys. But I yeah, mean, that's we, not we a, talk that's... about we, my point to this is we talk about <laughs> it all the time when Boston yeah. or Montreal or Toronto come to town, how many visiting jerseys are, mm. are in the barn. And I'm wondering about next Sunday if there's gonna be more Islanders jersey because it used to be pretty prevalent everywhere. Yeah, I think it's like um well, I mean, amongst kids now, I mean it's you know, it's it's of a bygone era, even yeah. of my era. It's well kids today. Beyond. They don't know. They don't know anything. These kids, they just don't know. Uh, anyways, to talk all about the game coming up tonight again, pregame show at four, puck drop at six, right here on six eighty CJOB, your uh, radio home of the Winnipeg Jets. We bring on Chris King, Islanders play-by-play man. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm great, guys. How are you? Good, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, so I guess first question, uh, Bo Horvat, uh, that was sort of the big blockbuster ahead of the trade deadline that, that really got things cooking here. Now we, we've seen uh, Ryan O'Reilly move to the to the Leafs and uh, among other moves. How, how's Bo Horvat been fitting in uh, so far in his time with the New York Islanders? Yeah, he's been great so far, guys. I got to tell you, you know, it's a, it was one thing to, you know, to get the trade done as Lou Lamorello did, but then to immediately sign him to an eight-year contract extension, you know, he realized how rare it is to find a guy that's as good as Bo is at even strength. He plays power play, he plays penalty kill, he's on the, you know, incredible on the dot as far as faceoff wise goes. And oh yeah, you know, he was the captain of the Canucks the last four years, so he's obviously got that leadership value as well. So, you know, eight games so far as an Islander, he's got four goals, two assists, he scored in three straight games uh, right off the bat, uh, and, and you know, really endeared himself. Uh, to the home crowd, and uh, again, I think the most important thing he did was, at least for the time being, find finally a permanent guy for Matt Barzell to play with, because the Islanders just haven't found the right fit. Unfortunately, Matt Barzell is now out hurt with a lower body injury, but Barzell had eight points in the six games he played alongside Bo Horvat, and you know they just have not been able to find anyone uh, for Matt Barzell to play with on a regular basis, going back years now. So uh, that that's the excitement I think for the franchise right now is that both of those two players, Horvat and Barzell, are now locked up for eight more years after this season. Were you surprised that he signed so quickly long term? And also, um, I think obviously this is a deal that was done long term. But but what in your mind? Uh, 
prompted this deal overall? And are you surprised it took uh, a very short time to get him long term? I was absolutely shocked because, guys, if you may remember the way the deal played out, you know, the All-Star break was in progress. So he was actually (laughs) down in Disney with his family, you know, found out about the deal. Uh, stayed down there for the All-Star weekend. He literally signed that extension before he stepped on the ice for his first practice. So I thought, you know, for sure, you know, he'd want to see Long Island, see the practice rink, see uh, obviously he'd only played once at UBS Arena, um, you know, just kind of see the lay of the land. But you know what? He spent a lot of time in Florida talking with uh, Brock Nelson and Ilya Sorokin, who were the Islander representatives for the All-Star weekend. He spent a lot of time on the phone talking to guys like uh, Anders Lee, the current captain of the Islanders. And he had played with, I believe it was four other Islanders uh, with Team Canada in the 2018 World Championship. So he reached out to everybody. Uh, he and his wife decided, you know, they were all in. And, you know, without even stepping foot on the ice for his first practice as an Islander, he had signed that eight-year contract extension. So, you know, he's loved it so far. I sat down with him this morning, had a long conversation, uh, couldn't be happier, just loves the fight he sees in the team, especially, you know, with what they did Monday in Pittsburgh. Uh, definitely the biggest win of the season is what the Islanders are coming off into this game now. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the other All-Star I wanted to talk about, Ilya Sam. Samsonov. I might be biased. You might be biased, Chris. I, I, I'm not sure. But where do you think uh, Samsonov um, and his season has been? Uh, um, I mean, am I? Yeah. How, how, how well has he been doing uh, in terms of in net? And I think yeah, I think you want you want Sorokin. Yes, there, I'm thinking Sam of Sorokin. Sonoff. I was halfway through it, and I'm like, what the heck am I talking Sorokin? Where's he in the, in, in in your mind in the in the Vesna candidates? Uh, obviously, there with with Hellebuck and, and Linus Allmark. Yeah, he's up there, guys. Uh, You know, he he had a little stumble of late, but now he's bounced back strong with some incredible efforts. Uh, You know, he had been top three most of the season in goals against average and save percentage in shutouts. It's the wins that that tend to be the problem for him. He's only got 19 right now because the team went through some struggles. And obviously, you know, when Semyon Varlamov, the other Russian goaltender, the Islanders. (laughs) I I noticed you um, really leaned into that one, Chris. It's going (laughs) to ruin my whole show. Thanks. There you go. Yeah, when he's healthy, you know, they pretty much split time, although the plan to start this year, I think, was let Ilya go two out of every three because, obviously, he's shown, uh, you know, some of those signs that he could be a Vezina winner. I mean, his best friend... Igor Shosturkin, we're going to throw him in there too now, give you another Russian goalie. That's his best friend in the whole world, of course, is the Rangers Vezina Trophy winner from a season ago. Um, You know, they had a great time together All-Star Weekend down in Florida, but I think uh, you know, where he is now just slightly behind Hellebuck in in both goals against average and save percentage, he's ahead of Hellebuck in shutouts as he's tied for the league lead with five shutouts, but the 19 wins uh, and his win total last year really was the main reason he didn't finish top three. I thought he would have been a finalist last year, but his wins were you know, so low compared to others. I believe there were 16 goalies that had more wins, and he finished sixth in the Vezina Trophy uh, voting a season ago. What do you make of this matchup? I know you probably paid attention to the, the games in New Jersey and New York this week for the Jets. Uh, how do these two teams match up for the first time this year? Yeah, it's a great question, right? I asked Lane Lambert I, I, this morning, the Islander coach, how you know crazy is it that you haven't seen this team in 60 games and now you're going to play them twice in the next three? And uh, obviously he was very impressed with everything that Rick Bonus has done there. And I go all the way back to Islander days when Rick Bonus was an associate coach here and a head coach here. And, uh, you know, he, he knows what Rick can do. And obviously he's done a great job there. So Lane said, look, you know, we, we've, got, we've got a real challenge on our hands here tonight with the way the Winnipeg Jets like to play. 
And the, the one thing, guys, that the Islanders have had problems with this year is the way they respond coming off emotional games. They've had a lot of emotional wins this season, and then that next game tended to be a letdown. So Lane Lambert was already trying to guard against that this morning because Monday night in Pittsburgh, you know, they came into that game tied with the Penguins in points, uh, ended up putting themselves back in a playoff spot, knocking the Penguins out of a playoff spot. And, I mean, there was just everything in this game. It was a three-goal third-period comeback. It was, you know, a melee, a wild melee at the end of the second period where all, you know, ten different players all got penalties. So it had everything. It just couldn't have been a more emotional game. The dads and mentors were along for the Islanders. So Lane's biggest concern tonight is, you know, it, it was so emotional Monday in Pittsburgh. He doesn't want to have that, you know, emotional hangover that the Islanders have been known for in the past and, and have hit them a couple of times this season. So I think, obviously, he wants to get off to a fast start. That has not been something they've done of late. They've been playing come-from-behind hockey, and I don't think he just wants to do that against a team in the Jets and a goaltender and, and Hellebuck who's coming off a 50-save win. Playoff hopes for this team. I mean, it's going to be a dogfight in the, for, the, for those wild-card spots um, in, in the Eastern Conference. Where do you, how do you think these guys are poised to, to take it? Well, here, here's the biggest thing, guys. Again, they sit in the first wild card spot right now, but tonight will be their league-leading 61st game of the season that is played. So everybody that's chasing them has games in hand, and, and I look at some of the games in hand numbers. The Penguins, after tonight, will have five games in hand on the Islanders. The Red Wings, five games in hand. The Sabres, six games in hand. So right now you've got six teams that are separated by just five points for the two wild-card spots. The Islanders have the first spot. The Panthers have the second. The Panthers will only have one game in hand on the Islanders at the end of tonight. But all those teams directly below those two are Pittsburgh, Detroit, Washington, and Buffalo with, you know, again, five, five, uh, two, and six games in hand, respectively, on New York. So they know they have to make a run uh, because eventually the schedule is going to lighten up for the Islanders and it's going to pick up for everybody else. And in one of those strange scheduling quirks, guys, the Islanders – actually finish on April 12th along with the Calgary Flames. They're the only two teams that are done on April 12th. There are 15 games the next day, so everybody else plays the next day, and then there are two more games the following day after that. So they would need to be, you know, quote-unquote, the leader in the clubhouse by five points over Buffalo when the Sabres have two more games to play after the Islanders are done, and by three points over everybody else because all those other Eastern teams play the day after the Islanders finish their slate. How is Lane? Yeah, that is interesting, eh? That he'll yeah. be sitting watching, could be wondering if you're on the cusp there. Um, how has Lane Lambert done? I remember him from my days covering the WHL, then, of course, with the Milwaukee Admirals, a long time with Barry Trotz, uh, a long, long time. How's he done this year? Yeah, 10 years with Barry. You know, he literally went from Nashville, uh, you know, where he started uh, his NHL coaching career, three years there. Then they went to Washington together for four seasons, uh, where they won the cup together. And then he was, you know, associate coach here with Barry for four seasons. Uh, and now his first year. So, you know, it's interesting, obviously, any time that the longtime assistant or associate takes over, and, you know, he's tried to put his own stamp on the team. Obviously, you know, he stayed with the defensive structure, which is the reason that, you know, the Islanders under Barry Trotz went to the conference finals in back-to-back seasons, um, losing to Tampa both times and, you know, losing to the eventual champions. That They were a really, you know, well-structured defensive team, and he wanted to keep that, which he pretty much has, but his mantra kind of from the start of the year has been we've got to be more aggressive to try to create more offense. So he's wanted his defensemen to be more aggressive. That has worked pretty well. He's wanted his forwards to be more aggressive. The scoring still you know, has been a problem at times, and especially now because the Islanders have five players out injured, 
all five are forwards. And in Matt Barzell, you're talking about, you know, six years as an Islander, six years they're leading scorers. So uh, it's just hard to, 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 to always come up with the offense when guys like Barzell and Bailey and Pajot are out right now. Clutterbuck and Wallstrom also out. So um, the scoring at times I still think has disappointed them. But Lou Lamorello, the general manager of the Islanders, has always said, you know, I don't care about overall goals for. I don't. I care about differential. That's all. I only care about we score more than they do every night. That's it. So, you know, he's willing to win those 2-1-3-2 games. He knows they're not going to have too many breakout nights in scoring, although, you know, they have of late. They, they've had, uh, you know, five goals, five goals, and four goals in the three wins over the Penguins so far this year. So they have had some big offensive games. But generally, you know, they like to play low-scoring hockey. And it's a smart strategy, I think, guys, because when you have Ilya Sorokin, as you guys know, with Connor Hellebuck, you know, he can steal a game for you on any given night. Yeah, and, I mean, if you're taking that into the playoffs, I mean, that's what you're going to need to win is those 2-1-3-2 games. And I've heard that so many times about the Islanders. It's one of the last teams a lot of, uh, you know, pundits and and players have said the last team they want to play is the Islanders because they play that stranglehold type of hockey. Yeah, and, I mean, you look at what they did, the unbelievable back-to-back runs in the playoffs, you know, the bubble playoffs into the following year. That's the way they won every single night. Um, you know, it was mostly Semyon Varlamov in goal, but even when he was out, Ilya Sorokin had all four wins uh, in the series over the Penguins that opened the 21 playoffs. So, you know, the reason they, you know, made those runs was because of their defense. They would score just enough goals to win. They had a lot of overtime wins where they would get key, you know, goals in those situations. But both of those years they went to the Final Four, they barely made the playoffs, guys. They just snuck in. But once they got there, because their game was so well-suited to playoff-style hockey, they were able to advance to the Final Four in in back-to-back seasons. Pre-game gets going at 4 o'clock. Puck drop at 6 right here on 680 CGOB, the Winnipeg Jets, New York Islanders. Uh, Chris, always a pleasure, man. You take care, okay? Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, nice talking with you guys, and I'm looking forward to being up in Winnipeg on Sunday. I hear it's beautiful up there. I was going to say, enjoy the game tonight, Chris. We'll see you yeah, Sunday. Uh, just bring a hoodie or something. You'll yeah. be fine. I'm, I'm hearing bomb. 70 degrees. Is that true? Uh, well, it's well a balmy, Sunday, yeah. It's a balmy minus, uh, <laughs> balmy minus 30 right now at the wind chill. So, I mean, that's oh, just... I love, I love coming to the peg, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Your barn rocks, and like uh, I just love being in there. It's so small. It reminds me of the Coliseum uh, with that low roof and, and the way the sound stays in. I'm really looking forward to Sunday. I do love of coming to Winnipeg. We look forward to seeing you. Yeah, Chris King, Islanders play-by-play man. Chris, you take care, okay? All right, thanks, guys. Take care. All right, let's take a break. Let's come back. That Sorokin thing's going to ruin the rest of the show for me. You're still on that, Oh, eh? yeah. I'm going to carry that into tomorrow. I mess up probably three times a day on the air, and I just move right along. <laughs> it's going to get me now. Madman quote, uh, move forward. It will shock you how that never no, happened. See, but listen, talk about hockey cliches. i got 24 hours to be miserable about it. Then i got to come back tomorrow and be ready to go. Well, plus ice. you'll probably check the text line or your social media, and people will tell you how dumb you are for saying that. <laughs> wow, I get lots of that. Yeah. Anyways, we'll come back. Uh, you'll we'll, be fine. We'll be right back. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Hello, Sarah. Oh, hello. The one-minute power play with Sarah McCarthy. She's got the power. Sure. On the power play. How are you doing, Sarah? I don't have really a question for you. I'm just checking in on you. I'm a little worried. You came walking in with like five, there was like 12 coffees. Coffees? (laughs) Her hands were filled with coffee. What's going on? 
I know. I have wait, not. Wait, none wait, of them, wait, none wait, of them wait, found their way to me, by the way. <gasps> Sarah McCarthy day. brought in 12 coffees no. today. It was like 12 or 15 was, or something. And three. she didn't give her co-hosts on the one-minute power play one. I didn't get <laughs> one. What I'm trying to I say. don't know your order, so you got to inform me so I know. You didn't even bother Sarah, to ask. Sarah, what are you doing <laughs> filling orders? You're a respected news anchor on this station. Uh, no, I owed, I owed some people coffees. They yeah, got half me the one floor, the other except day. for me. <laughs> Doing good though. My parents got Spru- Bruce Springsteen tickets, so they're yeah. feeling good. Don't so. change the topic. <laughs> Did your parents get a coffee and Bruce Springsteen tickets? Uh, not a coffee from uh, me. But <laughs> doing I good? was able to hook up a friend. I can't yes. say exactly. Yeah, I'll, this I can't is a story on its own. Yeah. Yeah. I got in today, and Cam's like, "Oh, I got my friend's parents Bruce mm-hmm. Springsteen tickets," and I'm like, "What is going on? What is this? Coffees here, tickets there." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Nothing for Jimbo. Favors yeah. all around. Yeah. yeah. I think it was like it was like a party in everybody's offices across the city at like ten it o'clock. Was. I think everybody was watching. Are you mm-hmm. going with your parents to Bruce? They bought three tickets, so we'll see. They said they may bring someone else, but <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine? I know. I know. <laughs> and we'll they want to stay with you, I bet. Yep. <laughs> and take we'll what oh Sarah, here's a good question <laughs> okay. for the power play today. Yeah. Your parents come in in November, uh-huh. stay at your place, mm-hmm. have three tickets to the boss and say we're taking Jimbo. <laughs> Jimbo will be by in ten minutes. That would hurt. He'll yeah. drop us off after the concert. <laughs> and and by the way And we'll see you in the morning, Sarah. Don't wait up. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. McCarthy, you're buying the beer. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm are I'm broke. There. Yeah. yeah. And we'll write the whole thing off on taxes to a Skaj pizza meeting. The whole <laughs> concert trip, everything. Your dad needs to call Perfect. me back, by the way. Oh my gosh. Because he's not ref- he's been refusing my calls. Yeah, money for boss tickets, but where's the <laughs> yeah. funding for Skaj Pizza, yeah, Mr. McCarthy? For, it's coming, Jeez. it's coming. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's coming. Yeah. That's I've heard that before. I've been hearing yeah. that for weeks now. This has been your and the coffee. But it, it came today, but yeah. she went, you too. Know, I, I, sometimes I, she goes, sometimes she went. A human being today can only... she went. <laughs> Have you ever seen Trailer Park Boys, Sarah? Like snippets, not... You should, oh, you should look at her talk that. down to Canadian <laughs> theater. Iconic Canadian theater. Revolutionary television. Revolutionary, for sure. Mm. Canadian TV, that's no doubt about that. This, this is yeah. your one-and-a-half-minute power play with Sarah McCarthy, who got boss tickets for Jimbo and, and her party for everyone else but me. Yeah. You can let me know your order, and I'll bring some tomorrow. You've made me feel you so bad. You don't want to open that <laughs> box there, Sarah. And the damage has already been done. Yeah. See you guys. It's not the coffee. It's not, you're right. It's not about the coffee. It's not about the coffee. It's the gesture it's, or lack thereof. Yes. There's nothing worse than having to sit there and just see everybody. Oh, here's a coffee. Here's and then I'm just sitting there, like I'm like some schmuck. You know what is worse? I'll tell you what's worse is when you stop and you don't know how many people are going to be in the office or anything. So you go, well, give me a dozen donuts, and then you yeah. bring them in, and you're like, here, everybody. I didn't know who was here and stuff. And you come in the next day, and there's 11 donuts left. And it's like, I did this for you. Yeah. You so but here's the it's thing. bad yeah. not getting something done for you when you're in an office environment, but it's worse when something is done for everyone and nobody takes part. Here's the thing about donuts, too. Everybody likes donuts. The entire world likes donuts. People don't like to eat donuts around other people. Oh, that's a fascinating uh, point. That's yeah. a, it is. Yeah. People will like, they won't. 
they don't want see people to see them eat donuts. You know, because what, they know uh, it's bad you, for them. But listen, dude, just eat the donut. What's the big? Not deal? Not only that, they don't like to eat more than one. Like if you go, there's oh, seven yeah. donuts left. So feel free. And if everyone's had one, no one wants to be like, I'll have another donut. Yeah, but you I mean those but guys I'm at the local guy. donut shop? I'm that guy. I think I'll eat one? those leftover donuts. <laughs> If it's going to be a problem. Somebody's got to put this office on their back and eat the donuts. I'll, this I'll goes to a third day. Those donuts are no good, and we're not having that on my watch. <laughs> right. 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Um, 12 yeah. coffees is a Kevin lot. says people always cut them in half and pretend they're not going to eat the whole thing, but they do. Right. Which is such a joke. Right. 100%. Yeah. Can I have a bite of that? You want a whole one. I know you do. Back when I was working for the uh, same company, working at CHQR in Calgary, there was a uh, a girl that worked there, a woman, she a woman that worked there, and she would like take an eighth of a donut, and I just just take the freaking donut. I live that way. I just want a bite. I just want a taste. It's the Eddie Murphy raw. Have you ever seen that? Oh yeah. An hour later. Oh, I don't know why my stomach's growling. It's because you're hungry. You only had a bite. <laughs> you have to eat a little bit more. Go ahead, eat. Uh, it's fine. 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Connor Hellebach going through his starting goaltender routine. Uh, he's going to be uh, out there starting in net for the Winnipeg Jets. I'm not surprised by that whatsoever. I'm nope. sure he was uh, exhausted yesterday and... Had to take a day basically just chilling out at the hotel, not doing too much, uh, just making sure he's uh, rested and ready to go. But uh, not surprised um, by him getting thrown in there again. Um, as well, uh, yesterday, uh, Axel Janssen Fjallby got called up and it's an emergency basis, uh, indicating that Perfetti will miss at least seven days. We're still waiting for an update on that. And the condition of Cole Perfetti will definitely have that uh, throughout the afternoon as well as we approach the pregame show at 4 o'clock. Um, lines, uh, Connor Shifley-Appleton on, on one line. And then the next line, Ehlers, Dubois, and Wheeler. Uh, Morgan Barron, Adam Lowry, and Carson Kuhlman, uh, Saku Menelainen, Stenland, and Gagne, uh, Morrissey, DeMello, uh, defensive pairings, uh, Dylan and Pionk, and uh, Sandberg and Schmidt on the uh, on the third, quote-unquote, third pairing, and then, of course, Hellebuck uh, starting in net uh, there. Appleton up until that line with, with Connor and Shifley. I don't, for the first time, I don't like this. Yeah. I thought Ehlers and Shifley were magic against the Rangers. Mm. And I thought Dubois, you know, knew he had a bad game in New Jersey, had a phenomenal game. I thought it was Nick Ehlers' best game of the year. And I know he only played two and then was out for a while, but I did not like Nick Ehlers' game against New Jersey. And I thought he was really good against the Rangers with Shifley. Yeah. Um, far be it for me again, and it's there's not much I will, you know, ask about Rick Bonus because he's done such a fabulous job this year. But I just thought four one win and and the only goal against with fifty shots was in a horrific turnover in front mm-hmm. of their own net. I thought you'd go with the same lineup. So Yeah, me too. And and maybe it's because um well, I don't know why. Like Stenlin uh Gagne Menelainen, I like. Uh, Lowry, Barron, and Kuhlman. Uh, I'm just surprised that top six is mixed up, given the way how good they played. Like I thought, Appleton and Lowry. I mean, Appleton has come back; he hasn't missed a beat. But him and Lowry are right back to where they to where they were. 
They they need to play together. Like yeah. I, I, know, I mean, you know, and it's it's funny because Bonus was talking about sort of pairings and guys together. Yes, like he yeah. said, Connor Dubois, Shifley, Wheeler, uh, Lowry, and Appleton. And and I thought that it would, there would have been more of a commitment to sort of those pairings and then move sort of that third guy in and out of these lineups. But um, uh, I don't think any of them are together. Of those three sort of core pairings that he was speaking about. Well, recently. it could be matchup. Like this could be the fact yeah. that he's looking at what the Islanders have, and 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 I think that's always lost when we. Look look at the the team we're covering is like the other coach might go well I like this player against this player on that wing or or something like that but um it's just interesting to me I I, look they can win 5-1 tonight and I'll be the guy with like what do I know but I just (laughs) I really like the way the the lines played and came together and I I think they need to find some consistency now like I, I I we're less than 30 games out and I know the trade deadline's coming, and maybe that's another reason, but we'll see what happens. Dubois, Ehlers, and Wheeler. And it could be as simple, Cam, as this is what we're doing. We're going to spend the next couple of games before the deadline to look at a couple of different combinations and then, you know, save it. We might make a trade and then, you know, come playoff time, uh, I want Dubois, Ehlers, and Wheeler together. But before I do that, I want to see them in a game together and see how it looks. But. I just I raised an eyebrow when I saw that this morning. I'm like, wow, kind of weird that they changed it. Perfetti is interesting now. Yes, this is what I wanted to talk about. Perfetti being out, he's going to miss at least seven days by moving to IR. Axel Janssen field being called up on an emergency basis uh, from the Manitoba Moose, who's I think had four points in three games. I think he's had three goals. He had three goals and an assist in four games. Yeah, pretty good down there. Um, how does what is this? What kind of wrench does this throw into the situation? Well, we had a great discussion, I thought, yeah. and I know we'll get into it probably tomorrow. Yeah, that'll be that'll be talk week. for tomorrow. On but. whether the Jets should load up and go for it this year and next year, or how much of the future you're willing to risk. And the reality of it is, is 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 even though we disagreed on some of it, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter the load up. There it has to be a reasonable price. And and when I say reasonable, I, I think Kevin Cheveldayoff will overpay for the right deal. But he's not going to extremely overpay. He's not just going to blow it out just to put something together. Yeah. But I do think he should be more than he has been willing to get a deal done or pay a little more overpay. That being said, we'll discuss that later. But Perfetti is a guy whose name has come up. And I get it because if you keep offering Vili Hainola and Brad Lambert and a first-round pick – and I'm looking to, you know, rebuild for the next two to three years. The guy you want is Cole Perfetti. Yeah. Because in three years, he'll be NHL perfect. He'll be just entering his prime and ready to go. And then you have him, like Timu Meyer is almost perfect as a winger. He's really good defensively. He's almost a point-of-game player, was close to it last year. Uh, he scores 30 goals a year. He has the last two years, including this one. Um so there's some risk there. But like I said, I'm not looking, if I'm the San Jose Sharks or something, to go. Like, there's another team out there, the insiders said, that they look for 25, 26-year-old players. St. Louis, that's what it is. St. Louis mm-hmm. is rebuilding, but they're not, like, guiding it, rebuilding through the draft. They want to rebuild with 25 and 26-year-old players. So they deal their O'Reilly's and, and their Tarasenko's, and they're trying to use those picks to get the Chikrins and maybe the Myers of the world. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have younger players and, and you, it's not a complete rebuild through the draft. So if that's, that's what I would do if I was any team. I would look at, give me the guy who has less than 100 games, but, you know, in a year or two, well, is an NHL regular, and that's Cole Perfetti right now. Yeah. So I think it throws a wrench into some things. Um, I know he'll be healthier at least seven days. We're eight or we're sorry, we're nine days away from March third now. Um, 
So I think it could come up at the end or they'll do their due diligence to make sure he's healthy. But it throws a wrench into some things because if I'm another team, I want your prospect, I want your pick, but I, I want Cole Perfetti. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's certain lines that the Winnipeg... Listen, I, I, I think when we're looking at what the Winnipeg Jets are going to do at the deadline, they definitely need to make some moves. They definitely need to bolster this team. Um, they need some help uh, in the forward group. They need some help on defense. And I, and I think they're going to be willing to make some moves and, and maybe not be as conservative as this organization usually is. But I think if we look at the pattern of how they've handled situations like this in the past, I, I, I don't think the Winnipeg Jets are going to go outside of the game plan. I just don't, I just don't think that and I, I think a guy like Cole Perfetti while he you know obviously teams are going to want Cole Perfetti that's going to be one of the guys that they're calling about uh, but I'm not so sure the Winnipeg Jets will be or be willing to um, to pay a price like that I think the first round pick is is available for the right price I think some of the prospects are also available for the right price but I think that it has to come with term that's just that's the way that I'm sad that that's the way that I see this I um, I mean if, if so let me ask you this then yeah Something's being offered, like Meyer or Chikrin. They want four pieces. Chikrin's different because he has he has already years attached to his deal. Okay, so, so Timo Meyer's coming do, in as an RFA. You have to give him ten million dollars to qualify him, and then hopefully let's do Chikrin then. Okay, if they want four assets, and the Jets are offering three, I think they're at the point where they should kick in that fourth. Chikrin is is do, a different. Yes, I mean Chikrin is 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 different because he's coming in. He has his contract. It's you know after this season he's got two more at four point six. Yeah, he's more than a four point six million dollar defenseman. So then here's the thing. So it's being held up because nobody wants to pay the price that's being asked. Here's my question: Regardless of the number of assets, do you not pay the price then? Do you not historically they they have gotten really good deals, smart, mm-hmm. not giving up too much, but also giving away something to get something fa- pretty fair, even trades in my opinion. Do you not go the extra mile now and just do it? Just go, you know, enough's enough. Here you go. Here's the extra asset you want. I think every, the entire league when they when when Bill Armstrong, general manager of the Arizona Coyotes, came out and said that. This was going to be the price for Chikrin. I think everybody was like, okay, well, we'll see what that's like at the trade deadline. And he hasn't budged yet. Um, because you're, you're not just paying for the player, you're also paying for his cap hit, right? I mean, and you're also paying for the rest of his contract. I'm willing to make that deal. If you throw in a Nick Bukestad, if you're going to throw in another guy, uh, a Nick Ritchie, another UFA player. But they're not going to do the that, rental. Uh, But I'm saying. Because okay. they can deal those guys in different separate trades with other teams and get even more. Okay. So you're saying that to get Jacob Chikrin, then you're going to have to give up Avila Hainala, a first-round pick, another prospect, and then another and a roster player? I, from what I understand, it's You'd too- have to throw – if you threw in a Nick Bukestad, then I would make the deal. But it's not – you can't just – you can't just so give this up. is what I'm told is holding yeah. it up for before the LA Kings thing fell through. They want a first round pick and a prospect for the player, and mm-hmm. they want a first round pick and a prospect for the contract. Okay, no. So why I'm just at the point where you have them for another two years. You have after this year. In in a year and a half from now, you have no clue what this is going to look like. I just if if it's been held up for this long and he's still available, well, why 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 no other team willing to make this? 
Why is no other team in the league willing they to might make not this? have the assets. who doesn't want Jacob Chikrin on their team? They might not have the assets. And other teams are. There's four teams still in it. Like St. Louis now, with acquiring those picks from Ryan O'Reilly, is going back after this. And Carolina's in on it and stuff. So they don't have the picks or they don't have the prospects. Now, some do, like the Devils do. Mm-hmm. Like the Devils, we hear, are all over Timo Meyer, And I would expect if a deal is done for him with the Devils, that's the Devils who anteed up the extra point. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. It's it's a waiting game, right? So yeah. now you're less than two weeks away. And, and Arizona's waiting to see who ups the ante. And other teams are deciding whether they're going to up the ante or not and just wait to see if they get a deal done. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, like, do you not just up it a bit? I, I, I don't know. Like, if it's – and I'm not saying for chicken in particular. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, to me, if you're the Jets and you can get any kind of term, it's time to break sort of the norm and up the ante. Do you think they're going to do that? I don't know, but I think it's time they do it. I just think that after – with this team and not knowing Shifley Dubois – and I think they do know. Like, I they mm. don't know – Maybe about Shifley, but I think it's been pretty clear. That, and I think they, if, they would have yeah. talked to the agent. I, I think and if, if the agent yeah. is saying that, they would have made it clear to the Jets on Dubois. So I just think it's time to – there's two ways of going about it. I, be I just, conservative yeah. and try to win, hold your prospects, and continue to rebuild and be right where you are right now and where you've been building towards. Or you can you can overspend – and take a good, serious run at it this year and next year and lose what you lose. You have to ask also, where do you think this team thinks that they're going to go in terms of trajectory in three or four years from you, now? You also have to think that if you load up and you go for it and you trade Villa Hinola, Chaz Lucius, Brad Lambert, and two first-round picks, and you bring in Chickern and Meyer and Seno Perfetti as well. So say you do all that. Say you do three picks, two first-rounders, Chaz Lucius, Villy Hainola, and Cole Perfetti. But you bring in Timu Meyer, Jacob Chikrin, we, I just and a third the line We, we got to go. But the thing is, if it was in the DNA of this team to make moves like that, they would have pulled the trigger in the summertime on a big move. Well, I don't, let's talk about this tomorrow. Yeah. They would have done it. It's not going to – I just don't see them doing it. I just don't see it happening. Maybe and we, they can, might not. we can debate just, to the cows come home I'm if just it's saying, a good I think move it's or not. time you do it. The other question you have to I ask said yourself. This, I said this during the summer that I think it's time that the Winnipeg Jets make uh, make a, a, an out of character move just to shake things up, and the, that would have been the mistake. So, so let me just finish on this note. The other thing they have to consider outside of the hockey department is if two seasons from now it's a total rebuild with picks and prospects. Does that sell in this market? We'll be right back. Well, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Jets at noon on six eight CJOB.